welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Uh, before we get into the word tonight, just a couple things I wanted to make announcements about. Um, two things that are very important to who we are as a church. Um, does everybody here get our newsletter? Or do you, like, get, your, get our newsletter? Do you also read the newsletter? Lily said yes in the first service. Lily was here. That was great. Uh, you you got to get the newsletter, number one. And number two, got to read the newsletter. See, the great thing about technology is we can see who all gets a newsletter. We can also see who all reads a newsletter. So reading the newsletter is almost as important as getting the newsletter because there are things in there you need to know. Um, two things that are happening starting tomorrow for us as Hope City Church. What is this? Oh, you're trying to concentrate. I thought you were like, tell me something else. Um, two things that are happening for us uh, at Hope City Church that are very important. Number one, we are partaking in part of uh, a citywide prayer initiative for the city of Abbotsford. Who lives in Abbotsford here? Great, 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 great. Um, so if you live in Abbotsford, this is an amazing opportunity for you. And if you don't live in Abbotsford, it's also an amazing opportunity for you. See what I did there? It's an amazing opportunity for everyone. Uh, this citywide prayer initiative, what it is, is the churches in Abbotsford have gotten together and their desire and their heart is for the next seven days, starting tomorrow until Saturday, to have every street in Abbotsford prayed over. Pretty cool, hey? And so what they want us all to do is there's a website, and if you've been getting our newsletters and reading our newsletters, you would have seen this in there. But you can go to this website. I believe it's PrayForAbbotsford.com. It's very complicated. PrayForAbbotsford.com. Go to that website, and there is a map of all the streets in Abbotsford, and you can click on the street you live, the street you work, the street you hang up, the street that is your favorite restaurant. I don't know. Whatever street you want to, you can choose one of those streets and say that for the next seven days, I'm going to commit to pray for this street in the city of Abbotsford. Um, what they really hope you do is you get out and take 5 or 10 or 20 or 30, however long you want to go for a walk for, and go walk that street and pay, pray for the houses that you pass, pray for the businesses that you pass, just pray as you walk those streets. So um, tomorrow, we are also, as a church, starting a week of prayer and fasting. Did anybody see that in the newsletter? Prayer and fasting is crucial. It's one of the crucial um, practices in our faith. We believe that there are times and seasons in life, just like we can see Jesus doing all through the Gospels, where you need to pull away for a time of seclusion, where you can spend time in the presence of God, and you are removing things from your life so that God can speak to you, and you can move those things out of your life so you can hear clearer. So starting tomorrow as well, we are starting a time of prayer and fasting. And our desire is that everybody in the church participates. And you can all fast different things. Josh, you can fast like food. You can fast TV. You can fast movies. You can fast whatever. Whatever takes up a lot of time in your life, you can fast those things. And the point of the fast is not just to deny yourself of them and say, I'm just not going to have this. I'm going to go without this for seven days. The point of it is to deny it and say, in that time that I would normally take and do this, I'm going to spend time praying and talking to God. So tomorrow, to kick off our prayer and fasting and to kick off this week of praying for Abbotsford, we're going to have an opportunity where you can come and be a part. Uh, you can come meet us here at 6 o'clock tomorrow night. 
and we're going to go walk the streets around this neighborhood and pray. Or you can come meet us at the office on McCallum Road, and we're going to walk that neighborhood and pray. We're going to have people at McCallum. We're going to have people here at 6 o'clock, both places. It's very confusing, I know. Two places we're going to be at at the same time, 6 o'clock here, 6 o'clock at the office. We're hoping that you'll come and join us and walk around our office or walk around here and pray for the people that you pass, the houses you pass here, the, the businesses that you pass, the people that live around McCallum. We're going to pray and believe God for the city, and we're going to kick off our week of prayer and fasting together. So I wanted to make this announcement as a pastor of the church because it is very important. Don't, we don't want you to take it lightly. We don't want you to think, oh, that's something that only, like, serious Christians do. Or it's something that only, like, old people do. Only old people pray and fast. And only old people pray for the city. No. Listen, primarily, this is mostly, like, this is a lot of young adults in here. And let me tell you something, young adults. Let me speak to you young adults for a minute. If you can get a foundation of prayer in your life now, if you can have a lifestyle of prayer in your life now that you develop, where you develop a relationship with God where it's not about religion, where it's not about coming to church because your mom and your dad or your aunt and uncle or some person drags you there, but if you can have a relationship with Jesus developed in your life now, it will carry you and, and take you through all those storms and those things you got to walk through later on in life and will give you a firm foundation that you need. Everybody said, amen. Amen. So come join us tomorrow, 6 o'clock here or at the office. And uh, really, 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 talking to all of us here, prayer and fasting. We're starting this week. Find something. We all need breakthroughs in our life, don't we? We need to see God move in our lives, don't we? We all do in different areas. So you find something. This is me as the pastor of the church saying to you right now, don't take this lightly. Find something in your life to say that for the next week, I will remove this from my life and spend that time talking to Jesus about things that matter to him and things that matter to me and see what he will do in our life. Amen? All right. Who's got their Bibles tonight? Let me see those Bibles. Let me see them up in the air. Oh, yeah. Guys, I've been talking about real life Hold them in your hand, touch them, feel them, smell them, Bibles. Yeah, get one, bring it to church, mark it up, rub it on your head, rub it on your face, fall asleep on it. Have something in your hand that you can like hold and feel, match it with your sweater. I don't care what you got to do, but get a Bible and bring it to church, crack it open when you're at home and take your Bible right now and let's go together to the book of Luke chapter 4. We're continuing our series tonight called Like Jesus. We've been talking about being like Jesus for months now. And it's been, I'll tell you, for me, it's been great. I believe one of the greatest callings, one of the greatest things that Jesus and our Father want to see in our life is they want to see us looking more like Jesus and less like ourselves. What the world needs is less of Jake McGrew and more of the Jesus in Jake McGrew. Amen? Jake McGrew can be a but sometimes. Jesus is amazing and wonderful and full of life and healing, health and wholeness all of the time. And that's what the world needs. So we're talking about being like Jesus. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 is our foundation scripture. Who knows it? 
We've only been quoting this scripture every week, 10 times a week for months. And it says this, those who say they live in God should live their lives like Jesus did. Those who say they live in God. Reese, do you live in God? Then you should live your life like Jesus did. Marshall, do you say you live in God? Yep, Marshall does. So that means Marshall is called to live his life like Jesus did. Joshua Friskay. Do you live in God? You say you live in God? You know God? You believe in God? Well, guess what, buddy? You're called to live your life like Jesus did. And that goes for everybody else in this room. That goes for everybody who's not in this room. Everybody who's supposed to be in this room and is at home hanging out, doing who knows what, watching movies, at the theater. I don't care. I don't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't even really matter. We are all called to live our life like Jesus did. So as we've been working our way through this series, um, there are some things that have been standing out to me that are, are important. Um, tonight we're going to talk about something that is not easily defined in the scripture. We're not going to find a scripture to back up what I am calling our message tonight. And the title of our message tonight is The Muchness of Jesus. The Muchness of Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, yes, that's right. He said muchness. <laughs> now, you're not going to find that word in the Bible. In fact, the word muchness is not in the Bible. And in fact, the word muchness comes from good old Alice in Wonderland. Who knows Alice in Wonderland? And it... <laughs> comes from when one time the Mad Hatter is talking to Alice after she's come back to Wonderland and he says to her, he says, you were different than you were before. He says, you were much, muchier. He says, you seem to have lost your muchness. You seem to have lost your muchness. And we're talking about tonight the muchness of Jesus Christ. Muchness is a real word. It's not a made-up word. Lewis Carroll didn't make it up for his story. It's actually a real word that's been around since like the 1300s. And it means greatness in quality, extent, or character. And so we're talking about the greatness in quality and character and extent that Jesus lived his life like tonight. That's what we're talking about. The muchness of Jesus. And we're going to go one step farther. And we're going to talk about how did Jesus have that muchness? What, what gave it to him? And... Can you have that muchness? It's not a trick question, by the way. It's not a trick question. You can have that muchness, and we're going to talk about it. So go with me. If you have your Bibles, let's open them up to Luke chapter 4. And we're going to start in verse 42. And this is a passage of Scripture that we looked at about three or four weeks ago. And we finished off here. And we're going to pick up here tonight. Uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 42. Jesus has just healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law from a fever and the Bible says that people heard about it and when they heard about it they went and got all the sick people they knew and brought them to Jesus and they got all the demon-possessed people they knew and brought them to Jesus they got all the crazy people they knew and brought them to Jesus they got all the people they knew that were bound up that were chained up that had all kinds of issues in their life and they brought them to Jesus And the Bible says that Jesus healed them all now, in verse 42, it says, Early in the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place, and the crowd searched everywhere for him. And when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave. The crowds searched 
everywhere for him. And in, in uh, the book of Mark, chapter 1, verses 35 to 39, this story is told again uh, by Mark, and he uses the phrase, he says that Simon Peter came out and found him and said, oh, here you are, basically. He said, everybody is looking for you. Everybody's looking for you, Jesus. They've all heard about who you are. They've all seen what you've done. They all want you to do something for them, and they're all looking for you. And here in this, in this verse, it says, crowds searched everywhere. Everybody say crowds. Crowds. Let's go to the book of Mark now. We're going to go actually to Mark chapter 1. And I want to just show you a few scriptures real quick. I'm so glad you have your Bibles tonight because we are going to use them. And tonight is a great night to start highlighting things in your Bible and underlining them as the Spirit of God speaks to you. Mark chapter 1, verse 45. Jesus has just healed a man with leprosy. And um, I made this point as I read this in the first service, and it was a great point, and I want to make it again for you right here and right now. Verse 40. Jesus has a man with leprosy come to him, and the guy says to Jesus, if you're willing... You can heal me and make me clean. Imagine walking up to Jesus and saying, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. He says, make me clean because leprosy was a contagious disease. It's called Hansen's, Hansen's disorder, Hansen's disease now. It's still around, but back then it was very contagious and your, your skin got like white stuff all over it and parts of your body that got infected with it would fall off. And so people who had leprosy were considered unclean and they had to walk around telling everybody they were unclean. They couldn't come in contact with people. They had to stay away from people so they didn't get them infected as well. And so this guy shows up and he's talking to Jesus. He says, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Moved with a compassion in verse 41, Jesus reaches out and touches them. Jesus reaches out and breaks all the laws, breaks all the rules, and touches somebody who is unclean, and he says these three words. We actually says five. He says, I am willing, be healed. I am willing, be healed. There's some people here tonight that need to hear that Jesus is saying to you, Wherever you're at, whatever circumstance you're in, whatever you're going through, and you're saying, God, if you're willing, you could do this for me. God, if you're willing, you could fix my relationships. God, if you're willing, you could fix my marriage. God, if you're willing, you could fix my crazy kids. God, if you're willing, you could fix my finances. God, if you're willing, you could do this, that, or the other. And Jesus is answering you wherever you're at and saying, I am willing, be healed you should be a whole lot more excited about that than your faces are. It goes on. It says, Jesus tells the guy, don't go tell anybody about this. He says, but go to the temple, uh, give the offering that you're required to do, and go see the priest. But verse 45 says, the man went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone, say everyone, who happened or what had happened. As a result, large crowds, say large crowds, soon surrounded Jesus, say surrounded, and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere, and he had to stay out in secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. 
There was something about Jesus that brought people from all over the place. The Bible says large crowds came from everywhere to come find him, to come see what he was doing, to come hear what he was saying, to come have them be touched by Jesus and have their lives transformed and changed. So much so that Jesus, it says, had to go off to secluded places to get some time alone. Let me ask you this. Are there people that are following you around because of what they've heard that you are doing through Jesus in your life? Do you have to go off and find secluded places because you're so surrounded and swamped from people? Oh my gosh, Jacob Dana, I just heard what Jesus is doing. And Jacob opens his door in the morning and there's a crowd of people waiting saying, yeah, I need you to pray for me. I need you, I need you to speak the truth to me. Does that happen to you? No, it doesn't happen to me either. It was happening to Jesus. There was something about Jesus that were, was drawing people to him. Let's go look at another scripture. A few chapters over, Matthew ch- or Mark chapter 6. Turn your Bibles with me over there. Mark 6 verse 32 says, So they left by boat for a quiet place where they could be alone. But many people recognized them. And saw them leaving, and people from many towns ran ahead along the shore and got there ahead of them. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped out from the boat, and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. The the best picture I can think of in this account right here, the Bible says, Jesus and the the disciples, the apostles, if you go a few verses up, the disciples have just come back from when Jesus sent them all out, sent them out to go preach, and they came home, and the Bible says that they needed to get away. Jesus said, let's go sit down, let's go get away by ourselves so that we can um, eat some food and sit down and relax, because the Bible says that people were coming and going from all over the place. So the Bible says that they get in the boat and leave, and the Bible says that people are watching them and they see them getting in a boat to leave and the people watching Jesus leave say, oh my gosh, there goes Jesus. There goes Jess Funk. She's leaving. Get in the car and let's follow her. The Bible says that Jesus was rowing in the boat with the disciples or whatever. They didn't have power boats back then. So however they were getting across, they were getting across the lake. The Bible says that people from all over the place, from all these towns, saw Jesus. They recognized him. They knew who he was. He was leaving. The Bible says they started to run on the shore. Jesus, come back. Jesus, come back. He's going this way. They followed him. They chased him around the lake. They got to where he was getting out, and they were waiting for Jesus as he gets to the shore and gets out of the boat. There is something about Jesus that people were attracted to, that people were drawn to, that people wanted to be around and be in the presence of. And I'm here to tell you tonight, like the Bible says, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives and dwells on the inside of you. And like Jesus said, the same works I've done and greater you will do as well. 
The same things that Jesus did, you can do too. And people should be attracted and drawn to you. There should be something working inside of you that when you encounter people, they want to be in your presence. Now let me ask you this, and you don't have to answer it out loud because it might be embarrassing, but are people attracted to you or do they feel repelled from you? Do people want to stay away from you or do people want to be in your presence? Is there something at work inside of you that draws people? And not like, oh, I like that person. That's cool. There's something inside that person that I need to be around, that I need to get into my life. There's something about Jacob Dana. I don't know what it is, but when I hang out with Jacob Dana, I don't feel bad about myself. I feel good about myself. I feel like there's more to my life than just playing video games and working and going to bed. I feel like I can do more with my life. I want to be around Jacob Dana because I want to find out what that is. That's what I'm talking about. I think there's a few reasons, I think there's a few reasons that Jesus had this muchness, had this quality, had this character, had this thing about him that people were attracted to. And we're going to take a few looks at a few different scriptures to try and understand what that is, to see if we can have that in our lives as well. I'm telling you now, the answer is you can. Go with me to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And if you've grown up in church and you went to Sunday school and you went to youth group, you probably know the scripture off the top of your head. Because I feel like this verse is a main staple of many youth pastors' messages. But it is true, nonetheless. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, says this. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Proverbs says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If there are things in your life that you know need to be changed, need to be worked out of you, you need to allow the Spirit of God to change the way that you think. He says, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. I think, first and foremost, one of the things that attracted people to Jesus was this. Jesus didn't blend in with the world says here, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. I don't think Jesus looked like the rest of the world. I don't think Jesus acted like the rest of the world. 
I don't think Jesus talked like the rest of the world. And in fact, as far as ministers go, I don't think Jesus ministered like the rest of the ministers in the world. I think there was something so incredibly different about Jesus that people were innately drawn to it saying, I've got to find out what this is about. Jesus came not preaching rules and regulation, but he came talking about relationship and love. I looked up the most colorful bird in the world. I don't know why, but I did. Oh, I know why. I know why. And the most colorful bird in the world, just so you guys know, because you all want to know this information. If you don't already, I mean, like, no, it's actually not. It's the scarlet macaw, madame. Scarlet macaw. It is very large. It's very red. It's very uh, blue and green. Fluorescent. It's very, it's very, it's very large. You can't not see this bird. It can't hide. It's not camouflage. Sticks out like a sore thumb. And, well, I think this is a good picture of what Jesus was kind of like. I think Jesus was kind of like the macaw where he walked around and he was so different and stood out so much that people were drawn to him. This is so different than everything else. I've got to go look and see what this is. My fear is this. Another amazing creature is a chameleon. We all know what chameleons are, right? They're great little lizards, and they have this amazing ability to change colors. Coolest thing in the world. Super cool. Have you ever got to see a chameleon? Have you ever, like, touched one? It's great. Life-changing. I highly recommend it. But here's my, here's my fear. I think that a lot of believers and a lot of Christians in North America have become Christian chameleons instead of macaws where we are blending in to be safe and not stand out not cause any waves if we look like everybody else if we sound like everybody else then we'll be just fine like everybody else but if we look like a bright red bird with blue and green and yellow and we stand out and we can't hide anywhere everybody's going to be staring at us. Everybody's going to want to know what's up with us. They're going to want to be around us to check us out, to examine us, to look at our life, to listen to our words, to find out what is different about us. And so instead of, instead of standing out, we stand back. And we turn the same color. And we do what this verse says not to do. It says, don't be. Don't conform to the world. Don't look like the world. Don't follow their standards. Don't follow their practices. Don't follow their habits. Be different than them. And that's what Jesus did. Everywhere he went, everybody he encountered and talked to and met with and ministered to, he was completely different than everybody else. 
I want to show you another verse. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter 2, 11 says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul souls. I think another aspect to this muchness of Jesus was the understanding that his time was finite on earth. And he realized that this world that we're all existing in right now wasn't his permanent eternal home. Jesus walked around with a always present realization and understanding that this is temporary. Your life is temporary. Your job is temporary. Your family is temporary. Your clothes are temporary. Your mortgage, your rent, your bills, those are all temporary. There is eternal things that will last forever. And when Jesus walked around knowing that this was all temporary, he realized that people's eternal souls, their true spirit, who they really were, was at stake. And so Jesus got busy and got to work. I think a lot of us, nobody in this room, of course, but other people in other churches, <laughs> have gotten comfortable and have forgotten why we're here, have forgotten what it is we're called to do. We're okay with, you know, we come to church and we do all things that Christians should do and we have a Bible that we sometimes read when life is going really bad and we're like, oh, life is terrible right now. I need to read my Bible. I'm sure there's an answer in there. But when life is going okay, we don't crack our Bible opens. We don't have a real relationship with Jesus. We have a relationship when things are bad with Jesus. And that's because we've forgotten this isn't our home. You're not at home here. And I like how different translations, I think the New King James says that we are aliens, which is great. Because we're always talking, well, not us, but, you know, people are talking about aliens. Aliens exist. But aliens are always, like, out there coming to earth. And the Bible talks about how we are aliens here, as in this is not our home. This isn't your home, Reese. This isn't the end-all and be-all of your existence. There is much more out there beyond all of this. And we need to walk through life remembering that the people that we encounter, the lives that we lead, the things that we do, the places that we go, that we are dealing in a temporary environment and there are bigger things at work that we need to be concerned about and thinking about, like 
Is my family going to go to heaven or hell? Is my unsaved child going to go to heaven or hell? What about this or what about that? Not what clothes am I wearing or is my mortgage going to be paid or is my food, am I going to have food to eat or do I have the newest jeans or the clothes? What my God, the best, best new phone? Like all this, that don't matter. What matters is your heart. What moved Jesus to spend his time giving of himself? What moved Jesus to realize that I'm only here for a short amount of time and I got some work I got to do? What moved Jesus to live a life where he was willing to stand out and, and look like a macaw when everybody else was a chameleon? Over and over, the answer is always love. Love is what moved Jesus to leave heaven and come to earth. Love is what led Jesus to the cross. Love is what you see when Jesus was tired and he was running away trying to find a place to relax and get a moment's rest and he saw people, the Bible says he was moved with compassion. It was love. I want to share one last scripture with you. The book of Revelation, we're going to go to chapter 2. And I hope I am painting a good picture for you tonight. And I hope and pray that you are hearing the words that I'm saying. And they're not my words, but they are the words of God speaking through me to each and every one of us. As we've read and we've talked about Jesus for months now, We've talked about being like Jesus for months now. I can't help notice that there is something about Jesus that people want to be around. They want. They need. And my fear and my thoughts, and I believe the Spirit of God is saying to many of us, what it says in this verse here. Let's going to read it together. Revelation chapter 2. Book of Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not John's revelation. It starts off and it says, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, and it was given to John on the island of Patmos. So this is Jesus' revelation that he is sharing with John and asking John to write down. And in chapter 2, Starts off in verse 1, and Jesus is saying to John, Write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. And he says, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You've discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. These sound like great people, doesn't it? Sounds like these are people that are hard at work, that are doing the right things, that are doing the right actions, 
and that they are being found to be okay. These people are doing the work. It goes on here, and it says in verse 4, Jesus says, I have this complaint against you. You're doing great work, but I've got this complaint against you. I do have one thing we need to talk about. All this other stuff is really great. All the work that you're doing is really great. Good job. Way to go. But we do need to talk about something that is more important than the works that you have done. And he says this. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. You don't love me or each other like you did when we first met and you first fell in love with me. You don't look at me the same way that you did when we first met. You don't get those same feelings about me when we used to first hang out. You kind of treat me like we've been married for 35 years and you're old and accustomed to me and I'm casual and it's a normal relationship. You don't love me or others like you did at first. See, these people that he's talking to in Ephesus, they replaced their love for God, their love for Jesus, their love for others with good works. They got busy doing all the right things, but in the midst of doing the right things, they forgot the most important thing, their love for Jesus. Guys, if you don't have love for Jesus and you don't have love for others, the rest of it don't amount to a hill of beans. The rest of it comes to what we call religion. And as far as I can tell, and as far as every conversation I've ever had on the topic goes, most people are not interested in religion. They're turned off by it. They turn away from it. You don't love me like you did at first. You don't love others like you did at first. As we read about Jesus, as we've been working our way through these stories about Jesus, as we've been looking at Jesus' life, and as I've been thinking about this for the last week and a half, I feel Jesus asking me, do you love me like you used to? Do you still feel about me the way you first felt about me? And I want to ask you that question tonight. I don't want you to answer out loud. I'm not looking for you to raise your hands and say, yes, yes, actually I do. I'm the only person here. It's me. But I do want you to ask yourself that question. And I'm going to have the worship team come back up. And we're going to sing a song. They're going to take a minute and worship God. And as we do that, I want you to ask yourself, do you love Jesus like you did at first? Do you love others like you did at first? 
I, I love how it says this in the New Living Translation because it ties both together, loving Jesus and loving others. Guys, you can't have one without the other. You can't say you love Jesus and not love others. It doesn't work. And you can love others and not love Jesus, but then that's not real love. Stand up with me. And let's... Um, Jesus I think Jesus is asking each of us here in this room tonight do you love me like you used to or have you replaced me with jobs busyness families work bills doing right things what he wants to know is if you still love him. And the great thing about Jesus is he really knows your heart. So we're going to take a minute and we're going to worship for just a minute. And I want you to answer Jesus yourself in this moment I'm not looking for you to answer me that's between you and him but I do think that you need to answer him and tell him yes I love you no I don't I've lost something I've let it go I like you but I don't love you like I used to and then we're going to pray together in a minute let's just take a second Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.